Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. How's it going? Hi, my name is Oli Shoshan. I play Jedi Master Shakti in episode two and episode three. You are listening to the Neverland podcast. Thank you. The Neverland podcast, episode 92. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Hello, Neverlanders. It is I, your pan, Jeremy, the spider pan of Neverland, and I want to remind you to take that pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust, because we've got a flyway in the Neverland, and we're not doing it alone. We've brought Lost Boy Retlaw Eric. Eric Warren. Eric, 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 Eric Warren. Eric Warren. Hey, how's it going? It is going wonderful because it's always a wonderful day in Neverland. Oh, it certainly is. And I think we have got a great show lined up for today. Oh my goodness, have we ever. We have so much stuff to cover. We finally have the finale of the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. And we're going to go through and count down the top five songs plus the winning band. All right, I hope that my band's won. Well, you're going to find out. All right, excellent, excellent, excellent. And after we go through that, I sat down with Peter Whitehead, who is the creative director for the Walt Disney Hometown Museum in Marceline, Missouri. He is heading up the project to bring back the Midget Autopia, which is the only Disneyland ride ever to be transplanted out of Disneyland and set up somewhere else in Marceline. And it ran there until 1977, and they want to rebuild it and put it back in Marceline. Very exciting stuff. Oh, that has got to be quite the project. I know that it was a big to-do when that was taken from Disneyland and taken to Marceline. I know Walt was there to help introduce it Mm -hmm. and to invite the community to use it. So I'm sure this is going to be a wonderful project to see get off the ground. Oh, yes. And it's a great conversation. It's even fun, his story of how he became the creative director over there. You're going to love it. All right, but we want to remind you all to visit NeverlandPodcast.com where you can find our email address, podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. And, oh, hey, we can be found on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. Also find us on Facebook looking at for Neverland Podcast. You'll find both a like page and a group. Lots of fun things happen over on that group. I've been a little remiss on keeping up Marvel Monday and stuff because I keep adjusting to my life changes. <laughs> but we will keep going on those. And Eric has provided a lot of really cool card pictures that I have not yet used. And I've got more in storage on their way. Oh, my goodness. 
So yeah, you definitely got to check it out because it's it's very fun and vintage to see the way things were in the '90s. So with Marvel, it's really a lot of cool stuff. Uh, oh hey, we have a voicemail line. 816-226-6492. We really do love hearing from you. Uh, and also, of course, when you go to the w- website, you will find a spot where you can join the Neverlanders by simply clicking on the Neverlanders link there with an exclamation point across the black bar. You can find out how you can become an official Lost Boy or Pixie. Now, how come we don't have Lost Girls? I bet Eric knows. Ah, oh, that is because, and this is according to Sir J.M. Barry, girls are too clever. They don't get lost. Exactly. But you can be a pixie, and we love pixies. We certainly do. All right, and don't forget to also use our Patreon link right there on the website. Also go to patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. Anyone who helps us out to contribute to the show, I'm splitting those donations between me and Give Kids the World, a wonderful charity which you can find out all about uh, basically by clicking on the link (laughs) that I put on the website. Um, Oh, hey. And there's some fun stuff going on. Behind the Magic is this other podcast. And I have mentioned last week that they're doing kind of a Disney podcasters competition. The first round is trivia. And we sent Lost Boy Jesse to go into the trivia competition. Uh, They recorded, I believe, Thursday night. That should be releasing fairly soon, but you can find out all about that at btmpodcast.com. I believe they're available on iTunes, at least. And I'm not sure if they're on Stitcher, but go take a look and everything. Check it out. That's a, they've got like a little 15-minute episodes. They keep it short, and they like to go behind the scenes with a lot of things at, at the Disney parks. So it's really cool. I've started listening to it. I'm enjoying it. So looking forward to hearing how Jesse did. He said the questions were really tough. Ooh. So, but uh, I think it's time we get started. All right. Let's take it away, then. Disney music fans, the time has come. It's the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Your vote will determine this year's top five Disney songs. Vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com. That's P-O-L-L.neverlandpodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition. Okay, this this was a heck of a summer event. I tell you what, this kept me a lot busier than I expected it to. <laughs> Cuz you know, having to every week, although I didn't I didn't quite get every week. Sometimes it was two weeks when I had a level of competition because things came up and you know, cuz it took me a good hour and a half to 2 hours to go through and build new polls and whew, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed voting on it a few times myself. Uh but we finally have the top five songs as voted by the, the, all the Lost Boys and Pixies out there in Internet Land. And also from the, the scoring, I do have the winning band, which completely surprised me on who won, uh, cause I, I was looking like it was going to go to a certain direction and it suddenly switched gears. But so it uh, wasn't going one direction. Oi. <laughs> yeah, we'll just skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. Well, Eric, we'll let you start off the list with our number five, counting up the top five song winners. All right. Well, this happens to be my favorite list of uh, deceitful and depraved acts. Yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. A pirate's life is a happy life. Drink up, they are yo-ho. Frolicking, frolicking, frolicking life, drink up, 
pillage and plunder, rifle and loot. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We extort and pilfer, filch and we sack. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Maraud, embezzle and even hijack. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We kindle and char, we inflame and ignite. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. We burn up the city, we're really a fright. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We're rascals, scoundrels, villains, and knaves. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. We're devils and black sheep, really bad eggs. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We're fakers, blighters, and ne'er do well cats. Drink up, hey hearty show ho. Yeah, that I'm I'm not that surprised for it being popular because the film series apparently is still popular enough to where Johnny Depp gets to be a Disney legend. And people yep. were, I guess, fairly excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and despite the popularity of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, the ride is classic. Oh yes. You know, from from just from the get-go, this is the song that defines everything that that ride is about. Mm-hmm. And it's the only song where you can say that you kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot about it. Because really, true. When, I, when I hear that, it sounds very, very bad. <laughs> like, well, I but they're movie. loved. Well, but they are loved by their mummies and dads. That's right. Well, our our number four on the countdown, and I'm very proud to announce this one: the second star to the right. That's right, the opening piece of music to Peter Pan. And how can I not love that? I mean, goodness, I live here in Neverland. I'm the band, so I was very excited. I think it probably got to that position because of my own personal voting, but I know I'm not the only one who likes that song. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I voted for that one a few times myself. <laughs> Always a great one. Oh, most definitely. And again, you know, it, it's one of those classic Disney songs. Oh, yes. You know, introducing us to the concept of where Peter is going to be taking Wendy, Michael, and John. Mm-hmm. Although the interesting thing, if you read the book, it's more of a nautical direction because there's a a whole – I think it's like a chapter long of talking about all the things they do while in flight flying over the sea uh, towards Neverland, an island. But I I do Mm -hmm. like the uh, imaginative way of them flying into the sky and Neverland kind of appearing out of the star. That is really kind of fun, but not quite book accurate. Oh, well. uh, But again, you know, Neverland's got to be someplace. We need a way to get there. Exactly. And I love it that they quoted it in the Star Trek, too. But that's <laughs> <laughs> So what's number three? Well, number three happens to be sung by my favorite crustacean, Sebastian. It is Under the Sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. 
I'm on the show, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. Who are we devoting full time to floating under the sea? <laughs> you know, my second favorite crustacean has got to be Mr. Krabs, though, I gotta say. <laughs> exactly. Mainly because it's Clancy Brown. But, anyways, <laughs> under the sea, you know, uh, Golly, uh, well, Little Mermaid is a, played a big part in making me a huge Disney nut. Uh, when I first saw it, I just absolutely loved it. I would, during the summer, I would just watch that every day. I was listening to the soundtrack. Just really loved that movie. It was just such a great one. And Under the Sea, you know, how could you go mm-hmm. wrong with that? Well, and it's so different from the Disney music that preceded it. Oh, I'm, yeah. I can't think of any, you know, Calypso. You know, that was in Disney music before this. I don't think there's been any since either, but still the, the music of Howard Ashman and Alan Mink is just, you know, was par- a great big part of what made The Little Mermaid as popular as it was and as it still is. And it gave such character to Sebastian with that kind of Jamaican style that he was supposed to be, which doesn't make sense in a European type of area, but, you know, it was fun. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you still, you know, got to, bop along to it today still to, as well oh yes well our number two this is pretty cool i'm sure paul barry will will love to hear about this the bear band serenade the bear bear bands will play now in the good old key of g zeke and zim ten friend bear named tennessee zeke's twanging on the banjo and a tapping with his feet a banging on the dish pine with a real old country beat With a crooked hickory bow. When the spirit moves that ruin, he can make that pit of gold. That's right. Uh, as sung by Henry, the five bear rugs, you know, the the country bear jamboree is sorely missed at Disneyland. And you know, I, I gotta tell you, if I ever go to Florida and get the opportunity to go to Disney World. Uh, this is probably the only reason I'll even go to the Magic Kingdom is just to see the Country Bear Jamboree just for this music. Oh, I love it so much. And I have heard that they've restored it to its original form. Well, uh, I know that they've uh, cleaned up the audio, um, but because I haven't seen that particular show, I really can't speak one way or the other as to how close it is to the original that premiered back in the 70s. Well, somebody needs to call in and let us know. Send us an email. Okay. That email address, that's at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. You are correct, sir. Or you can leave a voicemail at 816-226-6492, or you can get in touch with us uh, via Facebook or Twitter at NeverlandPCast. Right. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, the number one song or band member, if you want to call it that. That would happen to be Never Had a Friend Like Me. Mr. Lancer have we shot That's right, that's the genie from Aladdin, Robin Williams, the all-out Broadway spectacular song in which the genie advises Aladdin what exactly he can do to help him out. Just in case you didn't understand the concept of three wishes. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or even what uh, potential there was in a wish. Oh my goodness! And that's it's just so much fun to think about. <laughs> you know, when he brings hey, all the stuff, you're like, ooh. Exactly. We'll have some of column A. Try all of column B. And heck, throw in column C if you really want to. Well, could be, could be. <laughs> and a lot of great humor in that. And uh, I wonder if uh, how much of the humor in that was Robin Williams doing and how much of it was already in the storyboards of what they plan to do during the song. Because you have the, the fun little bits where the, you have the uh, like the harem girl uh, and Aladdin goes to kiss the harem girl and it turns into the genie. Oh, you big nabob. <laughs> just fun. The, oh yeah i just the scale of it you know it was a tour de force by both robin williams and the animators you know everything from those harem girls to dancing camels to <laughs> well a plus sign at the appropriate moment after the song's ended oh yes just a great one i'm really happy for that one one that was a great tribute yeah i'm glad to see that that is one as well again uh you know we of course many of us miss robin williams and uh you know, Aladdin's definitely going to be one way that we can fondly remember him. Yes, and I'm very excited for the Blu-ray finally coming out. Oh, yes, coming up very soon. Very soon, October. Oh, wow. Wow, yes, finally. Uh, but now, here's the big announcement, and I've saved this announcement for myself. The winning band. Was it the Pixar band, who couldn't seem to actually get a victory through most of this? I don't know why. Well, I guess it's because they're not classic, but they have some great songs with Pixar. Was it the Disney Indiana Theme Park Club Band, which unfortunately they couldn't come on this week's show because Scott has been under the weather. Poor guy. Mm. Best, uh, best of wishes to him. Best of wishes to you, Scott. Uh, was it perhaps the live action band or perhaps the Disney Renaissance or perhaps even classic anim, or I call them classically animated. One of these bands stepped up to be the top band of the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands, and our winner is drumroll live action. Yay! <laughs> and of course, live action had to be able to step up because there was a lot of songs from Mary Poppins that got in there, and I tell you. That's probably everyone's favorite live-action Disney movie. Oh, most definitely. I mean, we we love a lot of the other ones, but always we'll go back to Mary Poppins and say, ah, oh, yes, I remember watching that when I was younger, and how the older you get, the more you love it. Oh, definitely, and you can't discount the Sherman Brothers. Oh, no kidding, my goodness. And of course, because this was music, yeah, I'd say this is a big win for the Sherman Brothers right here. Oh, definitely. It was those Mary Poppins songs, especially Feed the Birds, that mm. really pushed it over the edge. Uh, you know, and, and that one, you know, most Disney fans know that that was a very special song to Walt. Yep. And it puts a little tear in our eye when we think about it sometimes. Exactly. And I think that's one of the, the my favorite bits of Saving Mr. Banks. Whether you thought Tom Hanks was a good Walt Disney or not, the scene where he first hears that song and then says, that'll work. Mm-hmm. Oh, tingles. And and that sequence in the film itself, you know, the just the message that it conveys to, you know, Michael trying to decide how he wants to spend that little bit of money that he's got. Yeah. And just how it expands. And it's not about the money it's about what we can do for others such a simple thing and i love the realization when the, when the father mr banks realizes that and the music plays in the background as he's walking after he's just been fired from the bank 
And he realized, mm-hmm. you know, the job is gone. What's what's still important to you? What is the most important thing? And it's his family. Exactly. Oh, I'm getting chills and tingles thinking about it. I'm going to have to go watch that movie again. I love that movie. <laughs> you know, but still, you know, there were some other great songs in that uh, by that band as well. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Of course. Oh, guess what? That's a Mary Poppins as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And the hidden gem of This Only Happens in the Movies, which I really love, even if this movie did not ever get released. I thought it was fun to have that in the, in the competition. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so glad that you included it. I, I'm sure that I had heard it uh, in the past on the Disney Indiana podcast, but it was great to hear it again and to know about its background and its context and its history. Yep. And I'm so thankful to Disney Indiana playing that show or playing that song on their show because that's what introduced me to it. And I just fell in love with it and found it on YouTube. And so I love to watch the video. Mm -hmm. But those are our winners. Thank everybody so much for coming along and voting. And let us know what you think about the results, of course, by the voicemail we've already given you and by our email or Twitter. Let us know what you thought about the winners. The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwa and Chef's Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on TechnoRetroDads.com, part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. All right, Neverlanders, we have a very, very cool guest and a very, very cool project. And, of course, it's time to start talking about ToonFest again in Marceline, Missouri. I went last year, had a whole heck of a lot of fun. I'm going again this year. It's my sixth time going. But uh, Marceline has a lot of really cool things going on, and there's a really cool project going on in there. And to tell us about it, I've brought in here Mr. Peter Whitehead, who is the creative director at the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Hello, Peter. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? I could be better, but hey, it's we're talking about Disney, which makes everything cooler. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to have a bad day when you're talking about stuff that is this cool. That's true. So how did you end up being the creative director at the, the hometown museum up there? Uh, that's an interesting question. I came and visited this museum for the first time less than a year ago. My uh, son was living in Vancouver, Canada. And I was taking him across country because he started a job at Epcot. And he said, let's, let's go to Marceline. We have to stop in Marceline. And I was totally on board just for the uh, possibility of potentially, you know, walking on a sidewalk that Walt walked on, seeing the things that Walt had seen as a child. It was well worth the, the trip. And when we arrived, uh, found his incredible museum in the old Santa Fe railway station and uh, went on a tour and for the next five six hours of the drive all we talked about was this museum and how I could possibly reach out and help so uh, it's probably six months since I found out that they were in fact looking for help here and I put my name in very last minute met with the board, and lo and behold, I guess I magically uh, became the right person because here I am sitting in this beautiful museum after hours talking to you. Wow. 
that's a big quick turnaround there. It's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, we laugh about it. The executive director, Kay Mallins, and I were just chatting about that, that tonight. How uh, it's I, I've technically been employed for only two months here, and the first thing that I did is I literally crossed the border, uh, got my visa in place to work, came here, rented a van, and put our midget Autopia in the back of the van and drove it to California for D23. That was my first job at the museum. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I, 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 for the first uh, month of my employment, I put in, I think, 6,000 or so miles of driving back and forth and then up to Wisconsin for uh, a meeting and back down and... I think uh, in about a five-day span, I was in nine different states, and I couldn't remember where I was every morning that I woke up, and um, it's nice to be settled in Marceline. <laughs> You're kind of living the dream now. Yeah, sort of. You know, it is special living here. It's it's a remarkable, remarkable place. We um, Just yesterday, we had a preview with uh, a local PBS station uh, KMOS. We did a preview of the American Experience Walt Disney upcoming program. Oh, yeah! It I was am very looking forward to that. It it looks spectacular, and we talked for about an hour with them. We had uh, about 150 people from Marceline show up for the sneak preview, and uh, Marceline in the maybe 25 minutes worth of clips was shown and talked about. Um, three or four times awesome. and yeah it, it's well represented as it should be as yeah. you know not only Marceline but all of, uh, of Missouri should be so yeah we really need a park here <laughs> yeah uh, Kansas City I mean where you're coming from Kansas City played such a massive important part in his life yeah uh, it, it it deserves um, you know all the attention. I, I know there's a group of people working really hard to make some things happen there. Yeah, thank you, I, WaltDisney.org. There you go. It's, it's I have a recording of them actually from the latest Kansas City Comic Con, which I haven't shared yet, but it's coming. Good. Uh, I, I wish them the best of luck because it it, it as do we. Um, they have an amazing story to tell, and I hope they get to tell it soon. Oh, yeah, and if they start hiring here, believe me, I'm, I'm going for a job. I don't care what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they have air conditioning. Yeah, I should hope so. Yes. Because, yeah, it's uh, especially in the summer around here, it's definitely hot. Uh, so. <laughs> it's incredibly hot and muggy in Marceline for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, yes, that's that's a definitely a thing for, uh, golly, for visiting now for the last five years. There is part of my brain that would just love to live there just because of the history, and I love the feel of you know walking down Main Street there, yeah. uh, knowing that it inspired Main Street, although it wasn't the exact model for what Main Street USA looks like, it's what inspired Walt to create it. It's it indeed. He, he came here actually in 1946 uh, with an 8mm um, camera and just walked up and down and filmed himself with his own hand. Uh, Main Street USA. That's that he wanted, I think, to remember um, or have have uh, you know photographic evidence of what his memory of Main Street was. Yeah, uh, and there are most certainly buildings in uh, Disneyland on Main Street 
that are very, uh, if not duplicates, are incredibly eerily similar to very key specific buildings in downtown Marceline. So mm-hmm. it is it is most definitely a uh, a very loving and warm nod to his boyhood hometown. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, and it, it really makes you love small towns too when you visit. Uh, yeah. I, I, ever since I started going to Marceline, now when my wife and I travel somewhere, I like to stop and find a small cafe somewhere in a small town. And you usually get some of the best food, best service, and a lot more than you ever expected in like a, a town that you've driven two miles and you're outside of town already. Absolutely. And Marceline is definitely no exception. There's a great cafe, um, Ma Vicks, I think it's Ma called. Vicks. Ma Vicks Corner Cafe. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. I eat lunch every year right there. And which, by the way, if anybody is planning to come to Marceline for Toonfish, Toonfish, <laughs> Toonfest, which is September 19th, that's a good place to find me for lunch. I will be in there. And here comes a train. There goes the train. Train if, Again, if you've been to Marceline, we're... We are. This museum is in the, in the old Santa Fe Railway Station, and literally trains go whizzing by here. I, I think up to seventy a day. So, and you might hear the train. It's on the same tracks where Walt used to go and watch trains. So it's really kind of cool. It is. And the first time that he came and visited here in '56, he got off his train and walked through these very doors to be uh, greeted. So it's there's a lot of ties to to Disney in this building. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I love that they keep adding to it every year. There's always something new in there, yeah. which I guess is part of your job now, huh? It is. You know, it, this museum was set up um, to celebrate Walt's 100th birthday, and it was a temporary museum at the time. But people uh, so loved what they had done, they asked it to be um, kept open. So this building was purchased, and it was. Uh, if you ever came for that. That I think there was only downstairs that was utilized for display. Upstairs was not. It was still in a, a sorry state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of money and time and effort went into this building, and it is a gem of a building right now. And it houses two floors uh, and a stunning amount of, of Disney history that was uh, donated by Walt's younger sister, Ruth. So it is – I think it surprises a lot of people. I know someone came today – who came, uh, they actually came by for the last night just as the museum was closing and they didn't have enough time to take the whole thing in. They came back again today because you will be surprised (laughs) how long you can take in this museum if you really want to experience to its fullest impact all the intimate stories of the Disney family. It it will take you easily a couple hours to, to make your way through this museum. Yeah, and especially uh, last year, I took a recorder in and was given a tour, uh, not Kay Mallins's, but her mother. Oh, Inez. Inez. Inez, yeah. She took me around and was telling me stories from when she remembered when Walt had come to their house. And, oh, my yeah. goodness. It was just, I was sitting there like, oh, my goodness, this is great. So, And yeah. I got it all recorded on a past episode. <laughs> oh, that's great. That, she, she, when I came for my visit with my son, she gave me my tour of this museum. And so... Today, as I left, Inez was here, and I again said uh, to her that she was, in fact, the reason that I'm here, because she, uh, her intimate stories, when you come to this museum, you'll get a personal tour from a guide, and they'll talk about the history of Walt and the Disney family in this community, and Inez or Kay, her, her daughter, when they take or give the tour, 
it is so extremely personal because as you said, Walt and Roy, when they came to Marceline in 1956 for the dedication of the swimming pool, the closest motel or hotel was in a neighboring town of uh, Brookfield. And if anyone knows about high school football rivalry, um, <laughs> Marceline was not about to let Walt stay in Brookfield. And so they found the only house in Marceline that had air conditioning, and that was the Johnson home. So Walt and Roy and their wives stayed with uh, Rush and Inez Johnson in their home. And in fact, Walt Disney slept in uh, our current museum director uh, Kay's bedroom and slept in her bed while she was away. So <laughs> she has she has an amazing tie to Walt Disney. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fun talking to them last year. I look forward to talking to them again this year. Absolutely. I'm working on becoming the official podcast of Marceline or Toonfest or both. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, so far as I know, I'm the only podcast that has actually recorded a show right there in Marceline and during Toonfest. So I'm like, I'm yeah. going to do it again. That's good because it, it gets pretty crazy here, I suspect. I, I actually just missed – here's another train. Sorry. Uh, I just missed Toonfest last year. Uh so this will be my first Toonfest, and I went to a Toonfest meeting yesterday, and oh my goodness, I think I'm in for a treat. You can tell me more about it probably than anybody since you've been here so often. <laughs> well, I know it's all different this year. Uh, I know there's one guest, uh, I'm going to have to look it up and everything, that I was really looking forward to that sounded really exciting. Uh, i got to look it up. For anyone who uh, wants to find out more information, you can go to Toonfest.net. It is interesting because even I know that next year uh, a couple of Disney animators have already put their hand up and requested to come to Toonfest. So it is um, within that community, it is becoming a real to-do thing to participate in. So it's uh, we get a lovely response when we send out feelers to see who wants to come and speak. Oh yeah, there's there's I've heard there's a backlog of people yes. <laughs> who, who've been wanting to come in. Yeah. And let's see. Uh looking for there was somebody that was very excited. Oh yes, Jason, I believe it's pronounced Opat. Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, mainly because I had some work in uh Iron Man, Spider Man three, Transformers, and even R V. Yeah. Uh, has done some animated graphics and stuff like that. So I'm very interested in in hearing his. And um I think that's the main one I was going to definitely definitely make sure I miss don't miss and I'm going to record it to share later. Uh, so last year, let's see, uh, we had a, a storyboard artist from Phineas and Ferb who was there, and he brought some storyboards and showed how things change uh, between with the original storyboards and then how things have to get edited and changed and uh, to the final animation, and it was just fascinating. Uh, to see what jokes make it and what jokes don't, uh, and some of it was because they were doing a Perry the Platypus thing, and they got a little too close to James Bond, and United Artists got a little upset and said, no, you can't do that, and actually lost some really, really funny jokes. That's great. That's, that's, I love stories like that. Oh, just such great stories, which, by the way, I have that audio. If you go back and listen uh, to about a year ago of this time, I forgot what episode number it is. I have two back-to-back. -back. I have one week that was Kay Mallon's, and then the following week was me actually in TuneFest. Perfect. Uh, lots of fun. So anyone who has been a new listener to Neverland, definitely go check that out and also be prepared for this coming TuneFest because I'm all over it. Perfect. So 
But while we're here, though, uh, you're also, uh, I guess, kind of in charge of the Midget Autopia project. Uh, I am. Uh, that that project, um, you know, the backstory is uh, Walt's come back to Marceline uh, numerous times since uh, he moved away. Came back in '46, as we said, to to film. He did that quietly. He came back in '56. And he dedicated the pool mm-hmm. in his name in the Walt Disney Municipal Park, which is lovely. And when he was there, he gave uh, a gift to Marceline. He brought the great locomotive chase starring uh, the beautiful Fez Parker. And he ran it, I believe, 24 hours straight so that every child in Marceline would have a chance to come and see it. And he greeted everybody and signed autographs, I think, until his hand was ready to fall off. <laughs> but but he, he wasn't you know, prepared to just come back and dedicate the pool. He wanted to give something, and that's what he gave in 56. In 1960, he came back because the, uh, for the school dedication, the Walt Disney, Walt Disney Elementary School, and he had Imagineers uh, develop playground equipment for the, the back and he also had uh, animators come in and do murals in the school. So, again, giving back. And the last time that he came uh, to give back was in 1966. He took out of Disneyland the Midget Autopia ride, and he set it up in his boyhood hometown of Marceline. It's uh, unprecedented. And uh, a lot of people uh, lately have heard this story now, but it's it's still a quiet one. That is the only ride that's ever left Disneyland and continued to operate outside of a Disney-owned park. It's it's a real bit of Disney history that not everybody knows about, and and it ran here for eleven years. Wow! Yeah, it ran in the park. It ran in Marceline longer than it did in Disneyland. It ran <laughs> for. Uh, 56 to 66 in Disneyland, and then it ran from 66 to uh, 77 in Marceline. But sadly, Walt passed away about five months after the dedication. So even though it was a passion project of Walt and Roy, he couldn't really see it through and financially support it. So Disney backed away from all of Walt's um, auxiliary projects. Roy went off to build Disney World, which is exactly what he should have done because that was a really important thing to give to us. Yeah. And Marceline just uh, lived in, uh, Midget Autopia lived in Marceline um, and was very popular, but the small town of Marceline literally couldn't afford the overhead and the maintenance to, to keep that ride going. And, and it, uh, it shut down in 1977, which is incredibly sad. But thankfully, they kept the cars because I, I love seeing that in the museum there uh, as, as, as somebody would walk into the museum and you, you go to the table and you, you buy your ticket there. But right over to your right, there, there is one of the cars just right there in like pristine condition and there's photos from kids riding on it and from the dedication. Uh, uh, it was really amazing because I had never known that it had ever moved into Marcelina. That's how I first found out about it and I thought, this is really neat. It's an amazing story. It totally is an amazing story. And the car is beautiful. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it smells of 1956. It's got those <laughs> lines. It, it, it is, uh, at the time, was the latest in safety features. It would, you'd have to push start it, I believe, to get it into the first zone of electricity where, because it ran on electricity. Uh, and when it came to an end, it, it stopped by hitting the car in front of it. <laughs> And um, it, there's a really archaic seatbelt that would keep kids from flying out. You know, it never went really fast. I mean, I'm being, I'm being uh, silly, but it, it, 
it, it for its time was, I'm sure, for the kids, an exciting, fun ride. Walt, Walt didn't love it because he couldn't be on it with kids, and that was everything that he didn't want Disneyland to be. He wanted to be able to ride and have fun with your child, not watch your child have fun. So right. yes. it, it didn't quite fit into his makeup of what the park should be, uh, but what an incredibly generous gift to give to Marceline. It is. Uh, it was certainly unprecedented. It still is. You can still, and you probably have, you can go to the Walt Disney Municipal Park and you can walk the old concrete track that is still there. But um, most kids in Marceline don't know what it is. They don't know that there was a ride there. They ride their bikes, they play on it, but they don't really know what it was. So we are in the process now of doing a Kickstarter campaign and we would like to celebrate its 50th anniversary of the donation, which is next year, uh, 4th of July. We'd like to bring it back. We'd like to rebuild it right beside the museum. Which would be awesome, especially if you if you make it a way to where adults could squeeze on it, because I'd like to write it. <laughs> well, you know, there's there was a lot of talk about that. Um, to me, if you are going to be true to Walt's gift, then it has to be exactly what Walt gave us. And what Walt gave us was a child's ride. True. So it, it seems... It seems wrong in many ways to bring back a ride that wasn't what Walt gave us, even though I agree, and you're not the first person. There's been lots of people that work at the museum that have you know, already expressed a yearning to ride that ride. But it, it would not be Majotopia if we did that. So I think we're going to try to keep, number one, true to the original Disneyland track. It got modified slightly when it came to Marceline, but we would like, and we have uh, plans drawn up to replicate the 1956 track in Disneyland, and we would like to replicate the cars as close to humanly possible so that kids can ride in the ride that Walt gave us in a nice, safe environment. Wow. So, let's see, I'm trying to think of the, because uh, I know there's a park there around Town Square. Yeah, E.P. Park. And you'll uh, you'll be happy when you come back and see it because it is getting an extensive amount of work done right now. They have drained the pond that was there between the railway cars. They're rebuilding it. They're going to eventually next year put a bridge over it. But they are working their tails off to make it as pretty as possible for uh, Toonfest this year. So at the back of that park, there is a piece of property. There's a road that runs behind it. Mm-hmm. And we are um, in, in discussions about shutting that road down, extending the park so that kids can go and play in that park and then walk safely and not have to cross a road over to Autopia, which will be located right beside the museum, and enjoy a fun day of uh, car driving. So it will feel um, very different in Marceline. It will... It'll be greener, and it will be far more um, Disney-ish with a nice, beautiful ride sitting beside the museum. Yeah. So where is the municipal park? Because I don't think I've seen the municipal park with the original track. Oh, so if you go down Main Street, USA, so when you come for Tune Fest and you watch the parade go down Main Street and then turn around and come back on Main Street so you can see both sides of the, the parade. Which when, I love. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When, 
when it's done, then you go all the way down Main Street. Um, you out of town. It's well, I say out of town, which doesn't take long in Mars. <laughs> so I would say from the museum, you can drive to the Walt Disney Municipal Park in about five minutes, maybe not even five minutes, and that's where the pool is. Now, this is sadly, I think, the last year of the Walt Disney Pool. It, it was, yeah, it was installed in um, 1956. It was uh, well loved by the children of Marceline, who are now the adults of Marceline. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it costs them a considerable amount every year to maintain a very, very old swimming pool. So they've decided that the smartest thing to do is, after 60 years, give it a hug and say goodbye. So. I believe the pools drain for the year, and I do not believe that it will be filled next year. Oh no! I better go at least take a picture of the location just for you know memory's sake. And and right beside the pool, um, you could throw a football to it. Is the track for Autopia, and it's it's still there. There's a plaque, the dedication plaque that the mayor put in at the time, thanking Walt and Roy for their generous donation to the children of Marceline. It's all there. There, It is an intangible, important, beautiful piece of Disney history um, right here in Marceline. And yet one more place that I haven't visited yet. There you go. Last so- year was my first time visiting the school, which I didn't get to go inside the school because it was closed. But you can see inside the front the w- windows. You can see some of the uh, murals and everything. It is just fantastic. It is. Uh, I, I was um, – um, given a tour of the school not that long ago, there is a beautiful, I think it's linoleum, maybe Mickey Mouse in the floor when you walk into the school. And much like you would do in reverence of any beautiful, iconic logo, uh, if you went to Notre Dame, you would never dare step on the ND if it was in a carpet in front of you. You'd walk around it. Yet there's Mickey Mouse, this beautiful Mickey Mouse. And kids don't even look down. I, I just, I almost wanted to jump on it to protect it from these kids who just kind of walk on Mickey's face and uh-huh. don't look down, don't think about it anymore. I mean, they've lived their whole life there. It's, it is interesting to talk to some of those kids who, who live in a really amazing place that has a tremendous amount of history. And again, we were more reminded of it after yesterday's PBS sneak peek. Um, you know, Marceline has a story that any small town in America should be and would be envious of. And if we could take that story and our history and sell it to another town, we would be a rich, rich community. Because, <laughs> um, we, you know, we don't, uh, this isn't like um, uh, George Washington slept here one night and we've decided that this is the house he slept in and this is the bed he slept in and we make a big deal out of it. This is uh, unequivocally a piece of Walt Disney's history. Walt absolutely loved Marceline. There is far too many quotes. There is far too many connections to say otherwise that this is a meaningless part of his life. He would have uh, not spoken about it if it was. So it's hard to deny the love affair, not only between uh, Marceline and Walt Disney, but Walt Disney and Marceline. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It, it kind of helped give him those roots and those ground values. I think even with, uh, you know, being a small boy on a farm, 
you know, seeing his father and his brother, you know, work in that farm, I think was what taught him the ethics of hard work that when he moved here to Kansas City and he was doing that paper route and, you know, trudging through snow or whatever, you know, he had already started learning about hard work. And that's the hard work that kept him going, the drive that kept him going to build a company with Roy like that. Because, you know, he's got a a monument to his failure right here in Kansas City with uh, the former Laphogram, which is hopefully going to be rebuilt, is, you know. It, it's something he tried and he learned and did a lot of amazing, amazing things that had never been seen before of having a live action little girl in a cartoon world. Yeah. Uh, you know, just groundbreaking. But yet that company went down. But he, you know, he took it in stride and he kept going and eventually achieved everything he had ever went for. He sure did. But it, through hard work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. But if you think back at the time he spent in Marceline, as you were saying, mm-hmm. it's it's incredibly formative years of his life. He lived here for, um, you know, the better part of four, um, a little under five years. So not a lot of time. But in that period of time, if you think back to that age between five and ten, you certainly do learn a lot about life in, yeah. in age period. And he got to sit underneath his self-proclaimed dreaming tree with his uh, sister Ruth and draw and write and sketch and dream. And those were um, easily the most carefree days of his life. As you just said, when they moved to Kansas City, that, you know, Walt started working. So why wouldn't you fondly look back at that period of time on that beautiful farm when you really didn't have a care in the world? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I would think anybody would look back fondly on that period of their life. So it, it does not surprise me when you really think about it, why Marceline played such a huge role in Walt's um, creative life as he got older. So it, it, it is, it's amazing to be here. Yeah, and I think you've probably done the right thing when you go in to visit because there is a big chunk of me that would kind of like to move there. But I'm, I'm so used to living in the city that it would be weird for me to be like not having a Walmart within five minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, there's one within 10 minutes. I will say it's hard to get away from Walmart. But, yeah, it just, uh, it, you know, it, I come from a small town in Ontario. Uh, I grew up in a very small place called Shanty Bay. I bet you the population was less than... 200. Wow. I just moved from a place called Flesherton, Ontario, and I suspect the population's around 600. So now I'm in Marceline where the population is 2000 and I feel like I'm uh, I'm in a big city all of a sudden. So I'm just I'm just happy as can be to to be here uh, going in uh, you know there's uh, more than one occasion where I have physically been inside Walt's home. If you, if you go to the, the farm when you are in Marceline, mm-hmm. um, the actual farmhouse is a property that is owned by our executive director, Kay Mallon. She lives in that farmhouse, and that is Walt's original farm. And although they've done rest, they've done work, they've done um, an addition to that house. Buried inside that addition, that at any moment we can strip away the outside walls, is Walt's original house. They built the addition around. Walt's house. Oh, cool! Yeah, so there's a there's a little piece of news for uh, the Neverland podcast that maybe a lot of people don't know that behind the beautiful house that exists there right now um, is Walt's original house in every way, shape, or form. And the first time that I went there, 
I sat in the dining room, and when T Kay told me that this was the original dining room, I just about lost my mind. <laughs> and then I went upstairs, and she said, you want to see Walt's room? And I, of course, um, mumbled something about a yes, and we went into Walt and Roy's room, and uh, there is, you know, uh, that is that is that room where he slept, he walked, he's, he spent time, he breathed, he touched the walls, he... As a again, as a Disney fan, it's hard to not get extremely excited to think that I'm um, a part and helping to tell this story. Now, it's an honor. Oh wow! Yeah, my goodness, <laughs> I kind of want to come work with you now because this just sounds cool. <laughs> but that's the important thing. That's why I I'm so strongly um, connected to this Autopia project. They've talked about it for the better part of four or five years and just not known how to do it. And so what we've done is we've launched a Kickstarter campaign. So you can search for Midgetautopia or you can search for Walt Disney on Kickstarter or you can go to bringbackautopia.com and it'll link you to the Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, we probably only have, I think, 20 or 25 days left. We have a long uh, road to go and it may or may not um, reach its goal, which is... Uh, sad in one hand because I really truly did not want to uh, enter that program with corporate backing. So that uh, what I've what I've discovered subsequent to this launch is a lot of Kickstarter campaigns they've already sold a third to a half of their inventory uh, preceded the whole thing. So that when that that campaign starts, they get this big boost of momentum and then they're just hoping that people jump on and want to see it through. And and I thought, well, let's just let the fans talk. Let's see if the fans, if this project resonates. And if you're a true Disney fan, even if you can give a dollar, I can't imagine that there's not on this planet Earth a half a million really fanatical Walt Disney fans that can't spare a dollar to make Walt's literally his dying gift to his boyhood hometown um, come back to life. That's, that's the thing that I am so focused on right now. And I'll tell you that the, the joy of the work that we've done so far is that we've uh, been contacted by numerous uh, fairly significant donors that really want to talk about how we can continue to move forward regardless of the outcome of the Kickstarter campaign. So I love the fact, and I'm super curious just to see how many really pure, joyous Disney fans there are out there that understand the importance of this incredibly historic gift that he gave Marceline. Uh, I'm I'm super curious to see how this all pans out in the next month. Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to achieve this goal. He says, you know, seeing the time running out, I'm like, oh my gosh, but this we need to have this happen. Yeah, it, it's it is just it is so hugely important to me, um, and I just think that if we can spread the word uh, far and wide, that we will touch on those incredible people who get it who are, like you, because I can hear it in your voice, um, really, truly Walt Disney fans. Okay. So there, And there's just plenty of them out there. And it, it is interesting to see the, the reaction that this PBS special got yesterday in Marceline because we are talking with 
a group of people who have lived, as we said, their whole life in Marceline. And that story, some people just don't understand why it's a big deal that Walt Disney came from here. But it takes somebody to stumble in um, and say, oh my goodness, do you realize what you have here? Do you realize the importance of, of the gift that Walt gave to this community by sheer, just by loving it? Mm-hmm. You know, just for Walt to make the comment that, um, you know, how important Marceline was on, on a mug in the museum. It says, I'm just a small town boy and I'm glad Marceline was my town. That's not a scribe writing it from the Disney archives. That's, that's Walt getting off a train, talking to a local reporter and him sharing what's um, on his heart at that particular moment. So uh, it, this community, I, I don't know. Do you have a favorite? Uh, you know, you live almost in the middle of the country. Yeah. Do you, are you a, a Disneyland or a, Disney, a Walt Disney World kind of guy? Both. <laughs> Although I've never gotten to visit Disneyland. I've, I've only been to Walt Disney World once, but you go once and it's enough. You're hooked. Okay. <laughs> so I love it in any form. I will go to any park. I am not I'm not fussy. Yeah. I will be happy either way. I, I don't know why people have to feel like they gotta compete one park against the other. I'm like, you know what? There are there are things in each one of the parks that's not in the other that you can enjoy both and the ultimate vacation would be to visit one for for a week and then go for a week at the other one. You know, the I could die happy. Yep. <laughs> Well, we were at D23, we were talking with people from the, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and we were talking about the fact that a lot of people that go to Disneyland go to the Family Museum in San Francisco to complete their story. Right, because they Disneyland have, is where Walt walked. And yeah. So well, going it, there and then... Absolutely. And they can go to the Family Museum mm-hmm. and, and experience and see and touch and feel a lot of really intimate things that help complete their knowledge of who Walt Disney was as a person. And I said, it's funny because even though we are not a East coast, um, museum, we certainly draw from Disney world. It's a long drive. It's about 16 hours to get to Disney world. I've done it um, far too many times already, (laughs) but, uh, people come to complete the story. We get, uh, a lot of cast members, who need to make the pilgrimage to Marceline because that is the completion of their Disney education. When, when my son started working at Epcot, you go through a big course called Disney Traditions. Yes, oh, I'd love to take the class. Yeah, he called me and I said, so how was your traditions class? Did you learn anything? And he said, I didn't learn anything. I knew everything that they talked about already. <laughs> we are, we're Disney fans. But... He said, the one thing that you'll be happy to hear, Dad, is they talk about Marceline a lot in Disney traditions. So that makes my heart feel good that uh, the Disney company, even with Walt gone, as long as he's been gone, they absolutely understand the significance and the role that this community played in creating uh, Walt Disney and the company that they are so uh, proudly showcasing today. So it's... It's a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's, they've recreated a, in the early 1900s Main Street right there in the middle of the park. Complete yeah. With, 
barbershop quartets, ragtime bands, piano, and just, of course, you know, you wouldn't have had all that going on necessarily on Main Street in a small town. But knowing that that was like the central place of the town to where where your stores were and your movie theater and all the the fun to be had in town, that's where everybody would go to gather in your meeting place. You know, that's the hangout. It's it's just really, really, really cool. I'm kind of vintage that way anyway. I love older type of stuff. I love even listening to old radio shows. So... Mm Yeah, when you recapture that feel, I just get giddy. I could spend all my time right there. Yeah, well, and the last time that we went to Disneyland after D twenty three, you know, in um, downtown Disney, there is a a Marceline Confectionery. Mm -hmm. That's one of the stores. If you go to the uh, movie theater in on Main Street USA in um, in Disneyland, and you look at the booth, the girl who the figurine that's working. Uh, her name tag says her name is Tilly and says that she's from Marceline, Missouri. Awesome. Yeah. So, again, there are uh, numerous uh, nods to Walt and Marceline all over the park. You just have to see them. Yep. You could probably write a book featuring it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where to find it? You could. We we were lucky enough to get a tour of Walt's apartment the last time that we were there. Oh, wow. Um, our executive director, again, her uh, her father and Walt, uh, I think the reason that that family is so close and they bonded so tightly is that, and you might already know this, but they were planning to build a theme park in Marceline. Right. So um, um, Kay's father, Rush, was Walt's business partner in Marceline. Yep. So they spent numerous evenings working in that apartment uh, in planning sessions. And so Kay, when we were there, started talking to the tour guide who was giving us a tour and, and saying, well, when I stayed over, there was a trundle bed under that couch. And I slept there and we did this and we did that. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the, uh, the lady who was giving us the tour just stepped back and said, I haven't heard any of these stories. Continue, please. Like, it was... It's it's amazing the the connection that uh, that Kay has it's really intimate personal connection or connection to Walt Disney himself and to walk through that park she worked in the very first Carousel of Progress uh, when it came from the World's Fair she was in the very first group that worked in that ride in Disneyland Wow yeah and I think in the the most <laughs> blatant form of nepotism. Because she asked her dad for help trying to get a job in Disneyland. I believe the story is that at one point, much like when um, a hierarchy gets you a job and they come and check up on you, people were surprised when Walt came to make sure everything was okay with Kay at, at her job. And people and said, how do you know Walt Disney? So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I am, as I said before, incredibly blessed to be working with this group of individuals and we have, much like uh, the Autopia story, a lot of amazing things that we'll be doing in the next year that will uh, please people that have been here. Um, it'll encourage them to come back again, and it will absolutely connect with the people who have never thought to make a pilgrimage to Marceline, and it will um, almost force you to make that trip. Yeah, and you may want to move there when you visit. <laughs> might. You might. Please don't move until I've found a house, though, because it's uh, it's hard enough to find real estate. So <laughs> keep the land boom until I've found my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever need an assistant in your job, though, let me know, because believe me, I'll move. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's, it is 
A pleasure to be here. And it is exciting, the things that we're doing. And, uh, and I hope that everyone sort of takes a moment and checks out the whole story on um, Midget Autopia. They can go to bringbackautopia.com. They'll hear the whole story about how it got here and how it disappeared and how we can bring it back. And it would be really special if you come back next year for TuneFest and wander by the museum and uh, lo and behold, there's a Midget Autopia track there. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I'm planning on it. I'm, I'm, I've got my pledge already in here. I'm ready to roll. So. Perfect. <laughs> and I will be placing links in the show notes and on our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. But for anyone who doesn't get a chance to go to my website, make sure you go to uh, Bring Back Midget Autopia, I believe is the full website. <laughs> Bringbackautopia.com. Bringbackautopia.com. And you can visit the Hometown Museum. Uh, I believe it's what Walt Disney Hometown Museum.org. It is Walt Disney Museum.org. Oh. Yeah. Walt Disney Museum.org. Took a long time to tell you about the whole whole name, so we, we stuck to Walt Disney Museum.org. <laughs> Probably a good idea. A good yes. idea. And of course there is a Facebook page for the Walt Disney Museum. There is. So so visit our Facebook page. Um, we repost a lot of stuff on Twitter. We have been following the rebuild of uh, of Autopia, Midget Autopia. There is a, a, a Twitter site just for that, and that's BB Midget Autopia. There you go. So you can find different postings than the museum postings there. Uh, a lot of updates there and a lot of inside scoop about what we're doing and what our next plan will be. So uh, I would encourage everyone to follow all of those links. Definitely. And I will make sure I put as many links as I can all over that website. Everybody, please go donate to this thing and then make your pilgrimage out to Marceline, preferably here uh, September 19th for Toonfest. The parade kicks off at 10 a.m. in the morning, and it is the cutest parade you'll ever see. If you've never gotten to see a small-town parade, it's great. You can have like, your little Miss Marceline all the way up through your teen Miss Marceline and a marching band from the high school and kids in really cute costumes. It's it's just so much fun, and it'll warm your heart. You'll have a grin ear to ear. I do every time. I, I, I was like a filming it last year behind the camera. You couldn't see me just grinning into ear, ear to ear at my wife and just quietly saying how much I just love this. Like, Oh, isn't this adorable? This is great. So it, it's just the greatest place you'll ever want to visit. It is. And come by the museum and, and ask for me, and, um, and I might give you uh, a surprise just for people who listen to the Neverland podcast. Or a host who just happens to come into the museum every time and say, where's Peter? <laughs> you, listen, you listen to your podcast, don't you, Jeremy? Come on. Well, yeah, I quality check. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I can hear all the mistakes that I make, and I'm like, man, I really should edit better. <laughs> uh, well, everybody who listens, come in, introduce yourself, and, uh, and uh, I will give you a, a lovely surprise. Ooh. All righty. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Peter. Awesome. Thanks great. for inviting me. All right. And once again, that is bringbackautopia.com. Neverland Feedback. All right. We have a great piece of feedback this week that I received on Tuesday from Twitter. Uh, I was having kind of a rough day on Tuesday, and uh, so this was really, really uplifting to me. It was a very short message, but I just really liked it, so we're going to share it. And it's from El Rivera, which is at Baco Pet Spa. So you know they're a good person if they're working with pets. Uh, but simply put, it just says, 
love your podcast with two exclamation points. That was just great. That really kind of made my day. So thank you so much for that feedback. And don't forget that you too can send some feedback by email, Twitter, voicemail, or any way that you like. And please do. We do love your feedback. Well, that's going to wrap it up this week. Uh, This was a lot of fun this week. We had a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I do want to send out a thank you to Rob Dellinger and Skywalking Through Neverland. Uh, Rob Dellinger is the one who created that nice little uh, Eric Warren bumper there. Uh, He created it for Skywalking Through Neverland when he was their Skywalker of the Week. And I thought, you know, how much fun. I'm going to grab and I'm going to use that to introduce Eric. And probably anytime he's on the show, I think I'm going to play that because that's just fun. And uh, we just love Rob Dellinger and all the stuff he does. And make sure you go visit his website. He does have an H in his name. There is a link at NeverlandPodcast.com. Go check out his website and his music. And go check out Stompy Jones. He plays over at Disneyland with Stompy Jones. Uh, So lots of fun. Uh, I've got more fun stuff coming this week. Uh, Oh my goodness, I still have stuff from the Kansas City Comic Convention, including a a nice uh, panel with Adrian Paul. Uh, Eric is working on having Adrian Ropp, who is an artist for Disney, who worked on the designs for the Disney Infinity Games. So we got that coming. He's working on that detail. So just so much stuff coming. And uh, it's fall coming in here. We're coming into October, which means some more Halloween fun. And it's we're just having so much fun in here. And thank you for your coming. And make sure you come next week back here to Neverland at the Neverland Podcast. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPcast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Good night, Neverland! Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.